you're here today. I want to welcome each one that's come to be with us. The Presnells, are they here this morning? Where are they? Would you all stand up for just a second? These And Abdul, would you stand up? Where's Abdul? Right here. These are our newest members. Would you welcome them? Thank you. Thank you very much. If you have your Bible today, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10, 12. The title of my message today, you're going to like this, You Don't Have to Be Perfect. This is a good one. The scripture says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. These are the words that we're going to be thinking about uh, today in our message. You know, our world seems to be preoccupied uh, with perfection. We are just obsessed with it. We all want to be perfect. We believe 
that we are supposed to be perfect in our talents, in how we look, in what we do at work, in our relationships with men and with God, and in our church life. We're supposed to be perfect, we think, in all of those things. This obsession with perfection has led us down a lot of roads that perhaps we don't want to be on. Many people think if they don't measure up in their personal lives, uh, then they go out and buy a book, 10 New Ways to Be Perfect. You know, we've, we've bought so many books to help us be perfect in all these different ways. There's more coming out all the time. We don't think that uh, we look exactly like Ken and Barbie. And we really want to, deep in our, we want to look like Ken and Barbie. So we make an appointment with a plastic surgeon. We get tacked or padded or reduced or straightened or suctioned. Uh, They really work on us. We enroll our children in every kind of class that we can imagine because we want our children to be perfect too. We work late. We bring home a lot of work. We want to be super employee. We want to be number one. We also want to be able to leap over all obstacles with a single bound. This same obsession carries over, of course, into our Christian lives. We seek perfection by trying to be something that we're really not. And the result of that is self-righteousness. We do things out of obligation, and the result of that is legalism. Listen, the Bible teaches us that we all have one thing in common. None of us bats a thousand. We just don't. We don't uh, bat a thousand in our relationship to our husband or wife or our friends or our neighbors or working associates. We don't bat a thousand uh, with man or with God. It's comforting to know that the Bible teaches us that God uses and loves imperfect people. He really does. Do you remember when Moses was talking to God and and Moses said, uh, Who shall I tell them has sent me? And God said to Moses, Tell them the God of Jacob has sent you. Now, if you remember your Old Testament history, you remember that Jacob was a rascal, and uh, he did some things wrong along the way, but uh, the Lord used him. The Lord used him in a mighty way. King David was an adulterer, and the apostle Peter denied uh, that he even knew the Lord uh, at the end of his ministry. God used them. We all, if we are honest, have to admit that we have imperfections, that we are not perfect. Not one of us here today is perfect. Zsa Zsa Gabor said that she was a perfect housekeeper. Whenever she left a man, she kept his house.
even when we admit our imperfections, we still have a gnawing feeling inside of us that we should be doing better. You know, why aren't I doing better? We do need to grow in our relationship to God. We all know that. But we're never going to eliminate every single flaw in our life. That's just not possible. In the moment when we think we have conquered all of the temptations and all of the weaknesses that we have in our life, that is when we become the most vulnerable. Now, our text today, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Satan loves for us to feel like we are way beyond any sin that he might toss our way because that's when we feel the safest and the strongest and the most powerful. And when we feel that way, we lower our guard. And we become exposed to the temptations of the world. And that's when we can fall. Remember, pride goeth before a fall. Usually, we all fall. Some of us fall in a really big way. Then we feel loaded with guilt and insecurity. We feel crippled in ministry and in our witness. Is there a better way? Well, yes, there is. Rather than us relying on our own strength to be purpose, to be perfect, and rather than us placing all of our emphasis on our good works, and rather than us trying to build a tower to God on our own accomplishments, realize that God will give us his grace. How should we respond to the gift of grace that God offers to us? Well, I have three points. Point number one, we should accept, just accept, the grace of God. God is not a heavenly uh, policeman sitting up there in the sky and saying, well, whoop, whoop, you didn't do that just quite right. Try again. That's not the way God operates. That's not what God's like. If this is the perception of some people that they have of God, then it's no wonder that those people don't seek God in their heart and in their life. Most people are a lot harder on themselves than God is. This self-imposed perfection is a burden that God never intended for us as believers to carry. Jesus said in John 3, 17, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. That's a wonderful message. He's saying, listen, I want to get in there and help you. I want to be walking beside you all the way through your life, and I want to help you at every juncture of life to be all that you could possibly be. I'm there for you. He did not come into the world to put us down. He came into the world to lift us up. And he wants to lift you up today. If you're going through a hard time, maybe there's some relational difficulty, maybe there's a financial difficulty, maybe there's a difficulty at work or in the neighborhood, wherever it might be, God is there to help build you up, to stand beside you, 
to be with you in every uh, situation that might occur. When someone says, I've blown it, well, we think that's real bad. But when I'm told I am still loved, even though I have made some mistakes, well, that's real good news. We like that news. Perfectionism causes us to be burdened by life because we go through life worried. We worry about the oughts of our life. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. I ought to do that other thing over there. I ought to do all these things. Well, instead of becoming burdened by our inability to live our life in a perfect way, we should accept the forgiveness and grace of God. Point number two, we should grow in the grace of God. None of us uh, break the habit of perfectionism overnight. It takes time to understand that God loves us unconditionally, just like it does in a relationship. You know, it takes you a long time to really trust somebody totally that they love you unconditionally. It takes time to understand the secret of Christian living is not to stop incessantly trying and to start trusting. It takes time to start working so hard to gain God's favor and to start resting in God's favor. It's a process of becoming, and we're all along that road somewhere. Some of you are way on down the road from the rest of us. And, and we're happy about that, and we're trying as best we can to follow in your footsteps. The amazing truth is that God is happy with you as you grow in your relationship to him. As long as you're moving in a Godward direction, he's pleased with you. He's happy with you. And he wants to use you with your family, with your neighbors, your friends. He's willing to work with you to change you into the person that he knows you will be the happiest being. All you have to do is be willing to be changed. As you read his word, as you study his book, as you pray, as you let the Holy Spirit lead and guide in your heart, then really you kind of get into the swing of it and you begin to move in your life in a Godward direction. And of course, it's a wonderful thing. The more you let God change you, the more you become like him. Because of Christ, God looks at you through his son as his adopted child. Listen, God knows where you are in your Christian pilgrimage. He knows the exact step that you're on. He understands that you're not in the same place is people that have been growing in their Christian life for 50 or 60 years. You're not in the same place with them. But wherever you are along the path, he's real happy if you're moving in a Godward direction. If you let him, he will work with you to enhance that relationship every day 
that he gives you to live. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God starts, God will finish. You know, I know some people that never finish anything. Don't you? I know people, they just can't do it. They just can't stay with it. I know people that work at a job for about six months and they quit or they get fired. And they go get another job. They do the same thing over and over and over again. Listen, when God starts with you, he walks with you until the last day you're here on earth. And then he goes with you on into glory. And he's with you there forever. He does not take you out on a limb and then cut the limb off. He doesn't do that. Now, I know there's some people that do that. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't operate like that. God is not some tyrant waiting on us to mess up so he can smash us. That's that's not the way he operates. Psalms 103 verse 13 says, The Lord has compassion on all of his children. Paul understood this. He taught this when he would preach or teach, and he wrote about this in all of his epistles. Paul again and again would say, I am not what I used to be. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace, I am not what I'm going to be. Paul knew that he was moving in the right direction. And he had confidence that the Lord would carry him through. Paul understood that God was working in his life at every stage of his life. To help him forward. He had learned he did not have to bat a thousand to please God. All he had to do was to respond to God's grace in faith. And let God guide us from that point forward. Here at Trinity Baptist Church, this is kind of what we're trying to do. We're not claiming that we have it all together. Every once in a while something you know, goes a little wrong. Uh, you know, for years and years and years, we, we didn't have a, a portico that people could uh, go under so that they could get in without getting soaking wet. But we fixed that. It took us a while, but we fixed it. You know, for a good while, we haven't had enough classrooms. But you know what? We're fixing that. Did you notice as you came in today that... Uh, Uh, Over half the windows are in now. When we get all those uh, put in, and and the roof is already uh, finished, uh, they're going to put on the stucco. And, uh, you know, it's downhill from here. Uh, It's going to be completed. We're going to fix it. We are not claiming perfection. We're, We're not perfect. This church is made up of some imperfect people. Consequently, there will be moments that our imperfections will show. But thank God, he is not finished with us yet. God has demonstrated that he loves us unconditionally. And there is nothing that we can do to discontinue his love for us. 
We can act like a brat. We can do the wrong thing. We can cuss and spit and do this and do that. And God still loves us. He loves us when we're in the valley. He loves us when we finally kind of wake up and begin to move in a Godward direction. He stays with us in the valleys. He loves us just as we are, but he also loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay just like we are. He wants us to continue to become more like him. And as we do that, life gets better and better and better. Thirdly, we are to share the grace of God with others. Paul challenges us in Colossians 4, 6. He says, let your conversations be always full of grace. What's Paul saying there? He's telling you to always treat others as you have been treated by God. Make that your role model. Treat others as God has treated you. If God does not demand perfection from you, then you shouldn't demand perfection from others. You should not demand perfection from your spouse. Cindy reminds me of that <laughs> regularly. Uh, you know, we, we need to understand that we shouldn't demand perfection from our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We should not demand perfection from the other church members. Every once in a while, we get a little mixed up. We take a wrong step. We say the wrong thing. We should not expect perfection from our working associates or from any other group. Some of you might be thinking about Matthew 5, 46. Uh, Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is one of the uh, verses in the Bible that really trips people up because we kind of set that verse up there and we think, you know, that's where I've got to be. Well, you're you're never going to be there. Uh, Let me mention, I am not a Greek scholar, but I have had the ability to look up in the lexicons a few times. The word for perfect here in this verse means full or complete. Therefore, Jesus is saying, seek fulfillment through God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose in mind for all of us that are here today. There's something that he wants you to do. He's gifted you in certain ways. Maybe you have a great personality. Well, he wants you to use that for him. Maybe you have a great voice. He wants you to be in the the choir. Maybe uh, you have a great mind. He wants you maybe to be a teacher uh, in our church and help people to understand better the word of God. We are to seek him and to follow his purpose for our living. The whole Bible can be summed up, uh, some would say, in two verses. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love others as yourselves. Well, if you do those two things, 
then we, in essence, are accepting the grace of God and we're implementing the grace of God in our daily walk and in our language and in our intentions and in our will and in our objectives. And that's very, very important. He is not telling us to go around and make up a bunch of rules for everybody else. He is not telling us that. Every one of us struggles with the feeling that we are never quite measuring up to God's standards. Let me share with you one of the most liberating things I know. You never will. You never will. The Bible is full of heroes that never really measured up to perfection. Moses, Samson, King David, Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, just to name a few. There's a whole bunch more. But God used every one of them in a mighty way. I don't mean just in a little bitty way. I'm talking about in a mighty way he used them. If you are waiting until you get good enough, that will never happen, and you'll never do diddly squat for the Lord. You've got to start now. The only way you can experience the best that life has to offer is to accept the will and the grace of God. I wonder this morning if there's anyone in the house that would like to trust in Christ is your Lord and Savior. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that would like to uh, come forward and join our church. We've been talking with a number of you about that. If the Lord would lead you to do that, I pray that you do it. Uh, you know, uh, it's raining real hard outside. You don't want to leave right now anyway. <laughs> we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, and we're going to invite you to come forward and to take a stand for Christ like the Presnells did, like Abdul did. We want to invite you to do that. So uh, let's stand together. Let's sing. I'll wait right here for you to come forward.